Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Hey, this is, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday, so I'm going to give some introduction that way. But a lot of the way we've been singing has been related to who God is and what that means for us. And when we've responded to him in faith and repentance, he makes us his child, and it's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. So I'm going to remind you, around this, uh, around this space, we got post-it notes, and for three weeks... Those are different prayer requests that you've put up there. We just finished our 21 days of prayer today. Um, we're going to keep them up for probably a couple more weeks. And I think, Mike, um, first Sunday when we have communion, I think that's when we're going to, a lot of times what we do during that part of the communion service, you, if you want to take one and put it in your Bible and take it with and continue to pray for those. But these are various things that people put up there. Um, and when you just read them and as you've prayed over them, there's a lot of brokenness in the world. And... Uh, the thing we know, the greatest reality is Jesus came after broken and weak people like us. And that's why we're here. This is not a group of perfect people at all. Um, Jesus' arms are wide open. And we want to walk into that. Um, so I'll say this also as far as prayer. Sonia always puts this in there. There's a bunch of prayer requests. I'm leaving today for Turkey. It's, uh, it's a little vague because of the countries I'm, I'm going, but I, I, I know that I, I need your prayers. I appreciate them. And uh, this particular trip, I'll be back next Sunday, but this particular trip is, um, has some dynamics that are um, beyond what I can deal with. But they're, they're God-sized. But that's true about everything, right? And that's, that's just what he does. So, All right. Um, I think it's that. Let me give introduction to this is the This is the different Sunday. So we call, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. It comes up annually. We will be back in the Gospel of Matthew next week and just kind of continuing through that. So what we're kind of doing on this one, uh, Julian and Lindsay are going to come up in a little bit and, and read the scripture, but I'm going to give some introduction to this because I know this can be a, uh, a tough subject for many of us. But what we're considering today is the preciousness, beauty, and sanctity of life from God and what it means in terms of having life in him. So let me give this as a disclaimer. <clears throat> a lot of us, have experienced various kinds of trauma. In fact, that last song comes out of that. Uh, some people have experienced it from military service, some from physical abuse, sexual abuse, some from betrayal. There's all kinds of it. In a church of our size, there are many that have experienced trauma from abortion. So I want to just say this about this before we walk into this. Evil exists. Sin happens in and around our lives. We all know that. But there's no judgment here. There's none. We all make decisions at certain points in our lives that we would do differently later on if we could. Isn't that true? I got a whole bunch of them in my life. So there's no judgment here. Here's what we know. God forgives. God heals. And the reason why we have a cross up here, because it's a reminder of what's central. God takes our sin. He places it right on Jesus. He cleanses us. He changes our hearts. And only he can take evil and turn it to good. He is the only one that can do that. And I want to suggest to you, in terms of Christianity and the Christian message of the gospel, that is unique. All religions are not the same. And the more we grow in understanding that, the more change there is in our life. Uh, sidebar, we talked about this with the Lord's Prayer a couple weeks ago. Forgiveness is not a human idea. 
It just isn't. And the Lord walks us to that in terms of who we are before him, what he's done for us, and how it gets passed on to others. It's, it's otherworldly. So that's my disclaimer in terms of what we've had. But here's the other side of that. We all live in a godless culture, which makes this subject, the sanctity of life, one that we cannot avoid. And this is the way I think about it. Who will speak up for the little ones who have no voice? There's some things I love about our country, and there's some things that just grieve me. We are inconsistent and hypocritical on many things. I, I cannot understand the amount of passion there is for animal rights, and we should, we should take care of animals, but how much passion there is for that and what we do with preborn children. It's inconsistent. The science tells us. So that in our society is, is, is difficult, our own hypocrisy. So this morning, what we're going to do, I just want to walk through. I feel like we need to set, set the foundation. We're just going to walk through a couple of scriptures. And I want to make some things very clear. And I, they may be all clear in all our minds, but they may not be. Because the, the cultural messages are strong. And all I know about anything in life, doesn't matter what happens, I have to first think, God, what do you think of this? Whatever this thing is, what do you think of this? And I find that my thoughts and attitudes and heart, they are often not in alignment with him. And they need to go that way. So this, is, this one's an unusual message, but I think it's an important one because of where we are in our society. So um, if you have your Bibles open, are you just going to start with Genesis 1? Is that what you're starting? Okay, good. Julian and, and Lindsay, why don't you come on up here? They're going to read. And how about the rest of us? If we stand, it's going to be a little while, so if you can't stand, don't stand. But we're going to read a couple of verses from Genesis 1, and then they're going to read from Psalm 139. Does that work? Did you say you wanted us to stand? I did, please. Yeah. Yeah, if you can stand. That's right. No one listens to me at home either. <laughs> Thanks for the oh, so, oh. <laughs> defensive reaction. I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right. Why are we standing? Because this is God's word. I want to stand in reference to God's word. Thank you. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I, uh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheola, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely 
the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. <clears throat> How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray as we stand. Father, this is your word that we've heard read to us, and we pray this. Give us your mind. Help us to understand your ways. And where we need adjustment, Lord, we just freely ask, Lord, adjust us. And do that in a way that compassion comes from our hearts for all. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so I'm going to approach this like I, as I do typically, though this is not a typical passage. Usually we're taking a book of the Bible and just working through it. Uh, there's going to be a lot here. This is one of those Sundays where you kind of put your seatbelt on. Um, so there is space if you want to take notes. Um, if I, I talk too fast, which is very seldom, I know. But if I talk too fast and you miss something, you can always, so you can watch these again on YouTube. Uh, you can also ask for the notes. Uh, I think they're actually in the gems each week. So on the Wednesday email, they're there, or you can ask that way. All right. Genesis 1. Uh, so this is going to be, it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be very simple. I want to just basically set out five truths that I think are bedrock. And our, our cultural air we breathe, it's just swimming another way. Hey, how many know there are many things that are true that our news media does not report? Okay. So let's not be surprised. Oh, how about this one? How about confessionally? Don't raise your hand on this one. Don't point anybody. How many would say, I listen to way too much news and I listen to, listen to more news than I read God's word? So probably most of us are in that camp. We got to understand this has an effect on me. And so part of the gathering, we want to be around God's word. I want to orient myself and anchor myself right here. It's where I can be anchored so I can understand how to deal with all that. Okay, so here it comes. If you disagree with anything, you can always write me. I'm going to Turkey anyway, so <laughs> see Pastor Mike. Okay, I'll be back, but Lord willing. All right, so here we go. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. We just heard that read. So I'm going to, so um, are we going to, I don't know how you're going to do this, but have your Bibles open if you can, because I want to say things about this, but I'd like you to see the text, both of them. So Genesis 1, first chapter. So there's a lot of stuff right in 26 to 28. Okay, <clears throat> so I don't want it for time. I won't read it again, but notice life comes from God, very clearly, simple. And secondly, all people are made in God's image. 
All right, verse 27, here's what he says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, what does it mean that we are made in God's image? Now, if you follow the chapter, we didn't start chapter one and read it all the way through the other, because this is the last part of God's creation, six days, okay? But you read the rest, we see that we as human beings, we are unique in all of creation, and so when he gets to um, plant the plant kingdom and he gets to the animal kingdom, you'll see this throughout chapter one. He uses this phrase that God made them according to their kind. When he gets to human beings, he doesn't say it that way. He made us in God's image. So think about that. It's not just a throw-in statement. There's, there's something very important about that. Think of the word image. So in some way, we are meant to be like God. We are not him, but there's some way. So the way that we reason, our creativity, the way we can distinguish right and wrong, there's things embedded in in us that are actually different than animals, different than plants, different than rocks, made in God's image. So in some way, we are like God, and secondly, somewhere we are to represent him. So when you think of image, how many of you looked in the mirror today? How many of you know somebody that should have looked? No. <laughs> okay, mirror. I Meaning it's a reflection. There's an image. What I see in the mirror is not me, but it's a reflection. So that implies in that statement, there's some reflection of God that we are, not in physical appearance, but who God is, what he wants, what he's like, how he thinks. Uh, so we understand, and that, that's part of our design. So one of the phrases we use, we've used since we started, we were made by God for God. And if you just think about what all that is, it really, and part of what that's saying, you can't image someone or something that you're not connected to. So all of that is also speaking of the relationship that God intends for us. How do you image someone that you're not around or you don't know, you don't spend time with? But that's, that's what that is, okay? So verse 27 says, God created man his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I know that's a, for whatever reason, our culture, that's like a, um, it's challenged. It just wasn't before. I don't know. But Jesus quotes this. So when Jesus is quoting scripture, I think it's like a double underline on that. And Jesus says in Matthew 19, this actually comes up in discussion about marriage. And, and he, they're trying to trap him as they're all, you know, all the questions come to trap him and um, they want to know about divorce and all this stuff. And, and he basically, here's what he says. He's quoting and he says, have you not read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I think verse six then says, and what God has joined together, let no one tear apart. Jesus adds that to the Genesis statement. So Genesis one and two, he's quoting from. Here's what God intends. Back to Genesis. And God blessed them and God said to them, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and and subdue it and have dominion over all these aspects. So what's he saying there? In, In the very beginning of creation, God, as he creates man and woman in his image, is describing his purposes for them and explains in one sense our relationship with all of creation, animals, plants, all that. And so one part of this, which is unique, he says, be fruitful, 
multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So, oof, I'll stay out of the rest of the Genesis story. Well, maybe I won't. It's chapter 10, where Tower of Babel, where God's men are trying to collect themselves and make a name for themselves in some place. I don't know why people fight God. It's like, it's a losing battle. And, and God just, he just confuses their languages and they separate. Basically, they were ignoring this commandment to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So he spreads them out by changing languages. I can't communicate with them. They spread. Then, God, then chapter 12, God's calling Abraham out. That's where he's making a people for himself. And that's where the promise of the Savior to come is. But God's always going to fulfill his purposes. But what he's done here is there's a, this aspect of creation is he's given, we are caretakers and stewards of creation. That's how we're to relate to it. So that's a part of animal rights. That's, or taking care of animals, it's right and good. We're, we're to be caretakers there. But it's also got this, this be fruitful, multiply, and has this aspect, I mean, really embedded in that is the idea of family. Um, and I, I'm going to use the word discipling. It's not just procreating. It's this image of God that we're to be, it's passing this on to our kids. So the way we view our kids, they're a gift from God. And there's this thing that God's called me to as a, as a dad or a mom in helping to shape them and to form them. The, the biggest thing I want is for them to have a relationship with God to connect there. And I, I've told this story before. I was really done at four kids. I, I, I'm like, I got all my reasons why four kids, it's a, it's a lot. And one of the things I love, so when I was youth pastor, I love having Cindy travel with us because, you know, finally, okay, we got kids, you're old enough, grandma, grandpa can take care of them and so you can come with And she, it was so great to have her, but I was really done. I have to see how PG have to use this language. Okay. Miki, are you the youngest guy in this group right here? Okay. So I just said, we can do something about this. I, I'm, I volunteer for this. We can be done at four. How about that? That was pretty good. No clue. Good. <clears throat> and she's like, only time in my life my wife quoted Bible verses at me. Only time. We disagree that she did. She's going right to 1 Corinthians 7, your body's mine. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So, <clears throat> didn't do anything permanent. And actually, God changed my heart and mine. It was nine years later. It was when we're living overseas, but here's what changed it. I'm watching my four kids, and at that point, they're older. We're living in Romania, and Amber's in high school. She's in ninth grade. Bethy, I think, was, I'm watching God use my kids. This is not that long after the revolution, and they're just, Caleb's this little kid in school. We put him in Romanian schools. We didn't even let him learn English. It was terrible. Caleb's still mad at me, but he's, they're just talking to kids. And so they're like, he, didn't, he just invites them to church. People were coming, coming to Christ because my kids are inviting them. One family says, you, you didn't know it, but we were going through it. We were ready to have, have a divorce. And your son played with our son. He invited him to church. And, and that's where we met Jesus. His kid, I'm watching this go on. Kids in the high school that, came, that are still walking with Jesus. It's unbelievable. We saw like a youth revolution in those years and I just got confronted my heart. You big idiot. You're just being selfish. Who else should have kids? I'm watching God use them and I'm like, so nine years later, we had two more. 
And you know, like, cause then we moved down here when we started Converge and they're in the high school here. But what am I describing? <clears throat> it's not about just having, it's not, not rabbits here. It's discipling your kids. That's what he's saying. It's what you put in to your kids. I know every parent I know, they, they want to do good by their kid. And some people can't have kids. It's not, um, oh, sidebar. No, don't sit there. Okay. Our single daughter, who's never been married, has got these three foster kids that she hopes to adopt. I'm like, you're crazy. How do you, you're like, but she's like, it's, it's this same mentality. There's been a rescue in their life. She wants to, she wants to, I, See, I've been teaching second grade kids for so long. They, they're here for so long, they're gone. I want to I pour into, that's how we see our kids. That's his command. They're disciples. I know that's what you pray for here. That's what we pray for. Grandparents pray for that. It's harder to raise children than ever it is, ever before. But that's what we want. We want, we want image bearers. None of us do this perfectly, but we want to know God. We want to walk with him, his ways. We were made by God for God, and that's when we're fulfilled when that's happening. That's why God gave us the church. So we learn that from brothers and sisters, people that have struggled with things like we struggle with. Maybe they struggle with something different, but they're the ones that orient toward God's, us towards God. Because I get lost. I forget. I have doubts. I get afraid. But when we're with brothers and sisters who walk that out too, God just uses them in our life. We weep with those who weep. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what the body of Christ is. That's how he's made the church. So, three. I didn't get three up there yet, did I, Ian? So that every person is, create, is created with purpose. <clears throat> Life's from God. He made, us, he made all people. And every person's created with purpose. Now, now listen to this question. Follow me with this. Is being made in God's image true for some and not for others? Does that change based on gender? How about an answer? Does it? No, I say everybody shaking it. No. Does that change based on race? Okay. Does it matter if they're Haitian, Afghani, Ukrainian, Venezuelan? It does not change based on race. Does it change based on their intelligence? Nope. Does it change based on their age? Nope. Not one years old, not a hundred years old. Not before the womb. Doesn't change. Does it change based on physical appearance? Nope. Does it change based on abilities or disabilities? Does not. Every person is made in God's image and created with a purpose. Human value is based upon what? Being made in the image of God. It is true for all the human race. Now, if we get that, that has lots of implications for lots of decisions within our society and our culture, doesn't it? So you got to go with the foundation. All right, so I'll say the three again. <clears throat> Life comes from God. All people are made in God's image. And every person is created with purpose. Um, the next one I'm going to look at, <clears throat> we actually didn't read. I'm just going to do it because it's kind of quick. But after this is laid out in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the first five books of the Bible, we say sometimes are the books of Moses. And so <clears throat> Exodus records how God pulls them out of Egypt, 400 years in slavery. They don't even know what God's like. 
And so he's showing himself. So that's where the law comes from. So in those books, we, we see God laying down his moral law and describing things to the people. That's the book of, bunch of the books. So I'm going to look at one passage in Leviticus and one in Exodus. But here's what I want you to see. I'm going to summarize it. Here's truth four. Life is precious and it's sacred. And that is reflected in God's laws. So what you're going to see in the taking of life, there are very stiff penalties. Now, our laws in our country, many of them were based on a Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, because of, largely because of wrongful convictions, okay, we live in a corrupt society, but because of that, many of the laws have changed. There are many people that are incarcerated that were wrongfully incarcerated, just for whatever. We all have biases, and I, I don't want to go into all that one, but it's, it, it is true. But you're going to see in God's law this life for life. Um, and you're also going to see that God's moral and his civil law reflects the preciousness of life. So, it, uh, Aiden, do we have uh, the Luke, Leviticus 24? You got it? Okay. So what I, <clears throat> what I just want to show here is that, that there's capital punishment for, for murder. There's, there's life for life here. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. There's a, there's a value of life. And so you, if you have indiscriminately removed it, that was a penalty there, the way God laid it out. Um, so a lot of people are aware of that being in the Bible. Capital punishment, life for life. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But what they're not aware of is how even those laws, it speaks of life prenatally. So go ahead and put up the Exodus 21 passage. So when, a, when, if, if, when men are striving together, and if they hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there's no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. There's no harm to this child. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Prenatally, this is talking about. So I know there's a lot of discussion out there someplace about whatever life is prenatally. I think God's word's pretty, pretty clear on that. Okay. All right. Let's turn to the. Let's go to the Psalm 139. That was so fun having you and Julian both read that back and forth. That was great. Psalm 139. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, the fifth one, I'll just add up here. Basically, this is a worship song. It's, it's celebrating the beauty of God's love for his children in all of life. But, but truth five is this. God created us for a life in him, a life that's lived in the security of his love. That's how God created us. And you're going to see Psalm 139 just unpack that. I will go through this too fast. So I just suggest you this afternoon, go ahead and pull it out. Tomorrow morning, pull it out. And just read it and walk through it with the Lord. Because this is really about the Lord's the way he intimately loves his children, okay? All right, so, yeah, let's, you can go to the first four verses, Aiden. So this is how intimately, how intimately does God know us? Watch this. He really knows us. He really does. He knows all of us. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you 
know it altogether. Let's think for a moment what we just read. God has searched you. So for some, don't be scared of that one. I'm, I'm going to walk through TSA a little bit later on. I always trip stuff because all the replacement parts I got in me, you know. So I always get patted down. I'm like, boy, if I was hiding something, that'd be scary. <laughs> but that's not what this is. When he says you search me, that's not what that is. It's describing the intimate, the thorough way that he knows us. God is not trying to catch you do something wrong. He, he, he knows us thoroughly. Or how about this? <clears throat> Have you ever, let's say husbands, Husbands, have you ever gone out, you're going to go out someplace, you want to help your wife, you're doing an errand, and she says, hey, can I pick up anything at the grocery store? And she, and she goes, da 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 and she goes, yeah, I got, I got it, I know it. But you got to the grocery store, and all of a sudden you're like, man, what was that? You said I know it too fast, and it wasn't so. I see some people, like, I, I see some recognition of this story. Okay, that's not God. He knows, he, he knows everything thoroughly. He's not flippant. And it's true that, that we can't hide from God. But you don't need to. You don't need to. Adam couldn't. We try different ways. It's almost silly. We can't. I'm actually encouraged by there's this guy who's a prophet, a man of God, supposedly, and he gets on a boat, trying to go to Tarshish. God tells him to go this way, and he tries to go the other way. And I was like, Jonah, come on. And I go, I, I do the same thing. I try to run, don't have to. We may try to hide ourselves from others, may try to hide ourselves even from ourselves. But here's the deal. God sees you. He knows you. He gets you. He, he really does. He's really good. All these things. So when you, when you read this psalm, if you go back into yourself, to the tone of this, it's not scary. It's not God trying to catch you, get something wrong. It's a God who loves you. This is describing how intimately, how everything, he knows everything. Um, so I say this sometimes. I mean, we all got things that we probably struggle with, with God. And so sometimes what I'll say to people, <clears throat> I just go, man, I'm just, I'm just angry at God, so I'm not going to, whatever they say, you know. And I, where I want to encourage people is, if you got questions, you're angry at God, just talk to him about it. Don't go somewhere else. Talk to him about it because he already knows it. And he can deal with it. And I, can't, I cannot describe the whys of what, what stuff that happens to people. Okay? I, that's not my job. It's, it's way above my pay grade. But I know this. I know God's present. I know that he loves you deeply. And if you, if you just wrestle with him, he's also way more patient than I am. He's, he's just going to take and, and some things... I was talking to a sister. She walked in today. And she's here and she's just grieving. It's hard. I'm glad she's here. And all I know that God's with her and what goes on. It's true in so many ways for us. And that's where I want us to be. That's what this is saying. <laughs> God knows everywhere I go. Everything I do. It's like the ultimate GPS tracker. I just everywhere. He, look at this. He knows my thoughts. So you know some people that are like, they're just saying things all the time and you're wondering, did you ever think about what they're going to say or just come like streaming conscious? I mean, just come out. What, what, what happens there? God knows what you're going to say before you know what you're going to say. That's pretty thorough. 
That's what he knows. He knows me better than I know me is what he's saying here. And again, this is spoken in affectionate language. Here's verses five and six. He knows how to protect us. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. So for some of us, we read hem me in. You think like, oh, that's restrictive. No, no, no. It's protective. We had, um, and who have you ever lived in the day when they used to have play pens? Okay. We had this awesome yard play pen that I know they got rid of because it's unsafe for kids, but it was, it was like this corral. It was, so it, it folded. Remember that one? It was that wooden one. It would fold up to be like this, like kind of an accordion. And you could pull this thing out. It was like 15 feet across and your kids could be outside. They could, and I, and they probably could stick their head in it, you know, like, but you don't leave your kids in there alone. So I, I, it, they stopped making them, but it was awesome. But it's so they'd be safe. And they have room they could play. So it says he, to hem you in, that, that's what, it's not, it's not meant to be restrictive in a, in a negative sense. It's to protect us. How many of us would say there were times when the Lord stopped you from doing something that you didn't know how bad it was and he hemmed you in and later on you realized that was good and that was kind. And you would have walked right into foolishness and stupidness or maybe even death. Probably most of us. It says, <clears throat> you lay your hand upon me. Again, that's good. He's guiding us. He's guiding us to good even when we don't know it. That's what that means. It's not, <clears throat> Cindy and I were talking about this. It's probably because it was, yeah, it's probably around New Year's or whatever. And we just talk about, we're, we're thinking back about a lot of things. And I'm like, man, when I met you, I was so dumb. I haven't gotten much better, but I, like, I didn't even know. I mean, so we're just talking about, how was it that we ever met? How was it that I ever came together? And I'm like, I only really knew what I knew at 19 years old, but I'll tell you this. I did not know how much I needed you. I did not know it. And I go through life more and I see it more. And we're really different. You got to understand. So those of you who know, we're really different. And that means there's also conflict because I think about everything different than she does. And she thinks about everything different than I do. That's because we actually need each other. You actually got to know that God planned that. And that's good. And so stop being selfish and thinking just because you think this, you're right. Allah, stop at four kids and... I got a ton of things in my life like that. There's a ton of ways I've needed that, even when I feel like it's irritating. God's irritating me because Jeff, you're not right all the time. So there, there's God. God moved me in places certain times. Oh, anything good that happened in my life, it came from God. He moved ways that I, I couldn't see coming. How many times that happened for you? It's, it just that, that that's who He is. So all this it speaks of God's. Knowledge, he sees you, he gets you, he knows you. And sometimes it's way later on, we're looking back, we see that. And I, I, I think the psalmist writes this as he's looking back and just describing God in his ways. All right, verses seven to 12. <laughs> Where shall I go from your spirit? Let me read verse seven, seven, eight. Where shall I go from your spirit? Listen to this. Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven... You're there. I get that one. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. The grave. How's God there? He said, you, 
God is everywhere. Now I could describe this theologically a little more, but I'd lose y'all. But he, he's basically, God's everywhere. He's in the places where you don't think he is. He's there in the darkest part. Can anything take me away from you? Verse nine, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light might be about me, be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. I think the way he describes this in the darkness buried in the deepest part of the sea, that's as far as the, the psalmist could conceive. Even that deepest, darkest part of the sea, what will happen? Not just you're there. He says, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will uphold me. I actually wonder if you know the story of Jonah in the prayer in chapter two. I think he's citing this as he calls out on what God does. Darkness. There's lots of darkness. There's the real pitch black darkness that's outside. There is also that which is inside, internal darkness. And this speaks of the way in which God knows us and loves us, especially when it's dark. It's never dark for him. What happens for you when it gets dark? Okay, so for little kids, that's pretty obvious, right? Ooh, man, I hated my parents when they'd tell me I had to go down and get the milk out of the basement fridge. and like, Because my dad put the light switch at the wrong spot. It wasn't like I'd have to turn out the lights downstairs and, and run upstairs in the, in, in the dark. I hated that. I would run so fast, I can't tell you how many times I tripped going up the stairs. I just, darkness. Kids don't like darkness. They're not supposed to. It's scary. What's going to happen? But there is, for us, an inner darkness that we know as we get older. And it feels the same way as it did for kids. Some kinds, a discouragement or a depression. That I feel I cannot get out of this. A darkness of soul. Just like that little kid, I feel trapped. What does this say? about the intimate way. He knows our darkness. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. There, there, in that darkness, your hand will lead me. In this room, we know darkness of soul. I'm not trying to be trite on this one, but truthfully, in my darkest time, when I didn't know if I was going to make it, and God kicked out all the props, I say he made me desperate for him. He did it. And what happened in that is my calling out to him was more desperate, and he ain't moving. I knew and know him deeper because of that than I did ever before. It's nice to be happy, clappy Jesus, isn't it? It's nice. I like that. I like that one better than darkness. I want to just say there's, he's with you. He is with you. And I am not trying to explain anyone's situation here. I'm just, I really want to preach just what God's word says. And it says this. And I know it. This is a life with him. It's what he's calling us to. All right, the last section, verses 13 to 18. <clears throat> this one, you're just going to see, 
The Lord is crafting every part of your life. And here's what you're going to see. I'm just going to read it and comment briefly. You're going to see um, really, this is the prenatal expression of a life being formed. You're going to see that God knows that life being formed prenatally and he, he loves you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, then they are more than sand. I wake and I am still with you. I don't know if you ever heard that cheesy phrase, um, God made you exactly the way he wanted you. Anybody ever heard that one? Oh, I'm the only one. Okay. Has anyone ever heard that one? What two? How many of you are not playing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I know that about you. <laughs> Thanks. It's kind of a cheesy phrase, but the thing is, he actually did. He actually did make you the way he wanted. Everything about you, everything that you think is a quirk, everything that you wish you didn't have, so it, it would not be wrong to say your image, your physical features, your personality, the way you think, all your quirks, God fashioned you and made you and he loves that about you. Really? I, I, that's, what, that's one of the things it's saying there. So I just go, man, let's stop comparing ourselves to other people. <laughs> and let's look at one another and see God's imprint over there. Let's not be judgmental or self-righteous. God makes people certain ways. Let's learn how to love. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. What does that mean? I take that to mean not only the number of days but what happens in my day. So think about that. You can go back and read it. I don't think just quantity. So what does that say about life and about prenatal life? Okay, here's what I... Here's how I would understand this. That a child who dies prematurely, the child who never had days to live outside the womb, that child, the Lord knows, the Lord fashioned that child, even the days prenatally, all of them. The Lord knows how to love and take care of them. He just does eternally when others don't and when darkness has covered that all up. So there's a lot to consider here in these verses. I'm going to end with the last two verses that you read, which is an invitation. So after all that that he says about God, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Do you hear that? He's, he's just asking God, Lord, I can't even discern who I am and what's going on with you do that. But that request to God comes out of a security of knowing that he's loved by God. That's my prayer for each one, for myself, for you. If there's any way we grow this year, if it'd be knowing how much we're loved by him, you'll only know it in his word. You won't get it from circumstances. You're not going to get it from CNN or Fox News, believe it or not. You're going to know it from being in his word. I got to be there. Otherwise I'll lose my way. There's a security in that.
So I'm just going to repeat the five. Oh, you got them up there. I'm going to repeat them again. Life comes from God. All people are made in God's image. So in some way we are to be like him and to represent him. Every person is created with purpose. Regardless of race, regardless of ability or disability, we're made by God for God. And life is precious and sacred. It's not a small thing to take life. And God created us for life in him. A life lived in the security of his love. We are created that way. That's it, but I'm going to say these last three things. <clears throat> I don't have this project. Well, I guess, yeah. Here's some implications to think about. Let us each one embrace the life that God has given right where it is right now. Okay? There's some things in past that we may regret. It's partly what happened. God, God's a redeemer. He's a cleanser. He's, a make, he's one who makes things new. But let's embrace it right, right where it is right now. Let's take it in. Let's see our creator God in it. Secondly, when you read Psalm 139, you see this intimate way God knows us, the writer in us. And then he says, search me, O God. All, this is, all that is written out of a relationship with God. So I just say this, here's one implication. I, I guess I'm saying a question. Do you desire to grow in your, your walk with Jesus, your life with him, that relationship, the security of it? If you do, then what do you do? So pay attention to the longings God's put there. He puts them there. So don't be frustrated that you're not where you want to be. But if he's put that there, walk into it. Ask him about it. This means you can talk to him about anything. He knows it anyway, right? So the whole idea, he wants us to engage with him. That's all prayer is. Engage with him. And the last one is, let's consider our part to stand for life for those who can't stand up. The little ones who have no voice. I think, I think that's something God would want. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. I don't trust anything I say, but I trust your word. And so, Lord, that's what I pray for today. You're the only one that knows every person here. You know who's listed on the internet. You knew who would be here today. I don't know anything about anybody. I do know many things. I don't, I don't know why you intended this message to stay. But this I know. You did. You know all my days before they ever happened. You, you, you know what I'm going to say before it comes out. So, Lord, I pray this. I pray for each one. You know the, the state each one is at. You know what they need. I pray, Lord, they would hear from you today. Each person, the way you intend. And God, that you would then give each person the grace to respond to you as would be good. I ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, our Savior and the lover of our souls. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.